Hi, everybody. I could say good morning, church. Interestingly, I am coming to you from my car. Have any of you had that kind of week? You know, where, you know, that kind of week? <laughs> well, I am definitely having a week and uh, it's been a challenge, but here we are. And uh, hopefully the car works as a metaphor of us going on a journey through scripture together. Um, we've all been going through this together, uh, even at a distance. It's been a crazy year. We all know that. And, uh, you know, it's been a really difficult uh, time, I think, for many of us to really think about the idea of of uh, a joy and and love and warmth and all of these things that normally come with the season of Christmas and Thanksgiving. Um, it's just been, it's been a wild ride. Um, but you've made it here today. You've made it here with me. And I am just incredibly excited to be able to share the message that, um, that I think has been uh, brewing um, in my mind, but also that I've been struggling with and, um, you know, also discovering, uh, throughout this week and praying about. So our scripture this, this Sabbath comes from the book of Isaiah chapter 61. It'll be the first few verses there. Um, so as you search for Isaiah 61, I also want you to think that, or, be aware that I will be preaching from John chapter 1, not Isaiah 61 uh, per se, but they are connected and I'm sure you'll see how in the near future. So Isaiah 61, I'm reading from new, the New Revised Standard Version. It says, uh, verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has appointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit, they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. That's Isaiah uh, chapter 61. But as I said earlier, I will be preaching from John chapter 1. And as we move into the season of Christmas, and as we think about the first advent or the arrival of God into our world, um, you know, again, we are wondering, how does this speak into my life today, into 2020, into the midst of this craziness that, that it has, you know, come with this year uh, to each of our lives? Um, and interestingly, uh, you know, John chapter one is very poetic in the way that it speaks of the word of God become flesh and lives among men. But uh, today we're going to focus on someone who came before Jesus um, to earth, um, and his name is John the Baptist. He was Jesus' cousin, and we will be reading 
uh, parts of John chapter 1, not the entire chapter. So beginning in verse 6 of John, the Gospel of John chapter 1 uh, says this, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to, st- to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Moving down to verse 19, it says this. This is the testimony by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but he confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? Uh, You know, he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? So John the Baptist says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Now, interestingly, um, when we when we look at the text itself, we realize there's a repetitiveness uh, that that the author of or or that John the the, the writer is is telling us about John. There's certain clues here that we can we can kind of um, try to you know do some investigative work, right? Now the main question is, as you read it, why the repetitiveness, right? Why the the intense uh, motivation to make sure that people understand this? That that's that's what seems to be happening, right? You know when he when he says, uh, you know he came to testify, you know, uh, but he himself was not the light. And then again, but he came to testify to the light. The true light that was that was going to enlighten everyone was coming into the world. Right? And and very, very specifically, he says it says that he that John the Baptist confessed and he did not deny it. Again, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. So, you know, it leaves us with a few questions. Why why the awkward um, repetitiveness? Now, the thing that we have to remember is that John the Baptist had followers. Uh, there are people that had come out to see John just to try to figure out what he was about, why, you know, why he was saying the things that he was doing, why he was baptizing. But there was actually a group of people who were baptized by John the Baptist and who followed John the Baptist. They were with him. Um, interestingly, you know, John the Baptist is sent by God. But John the Baptist is not in a synagogue, right? He's not He's not in a temple. Um, John the Baptist is not where a preacher really should be, right? He seems to be out of place. Um, 
it's an interesting thing, right? Because because the, the the religious leaders in Jerusalem are trying to figure out who is this guy, who why are you out there preaching? Um, and so they sent they sent people to investigate this John the Baptist, this questionable character who's baptizing out in the river. What nonsense is this? But at the same time, they understand that John the Baptist cannot be ignored, right? They might be wondering, why why is he doing the things that he's doing, right? He's baptizing. People are following him. Is he plotting something? Is he plotting something against the Roman occupation? Is he plotting something against us? Is he plotting something against the ruling class? What is he up to? And now these are very turbulent times for for Jerusalem and for the for the Judeans for the Jews. It it's it's not a it's not a time necessarily that is very peaceful. There have been many many people who had come before Jesus claiming to be the Messiah, and and basically um, rise like raising up uh, like militias and trying to fight and and kick the kick the Romans out of out of Jerusalem. So. All of these things are in their mind, right? But interestingly, when the Pharisees sent people to to ask, they ask a very specific question. They ask him, you know, are are you are you Elijah? Um, are you the are you the prophet? Um, they name a few people. They 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 drop a few names. So the Pharisees seem to kind of maybe they're trying to figure it out. Right, they 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 understand that if this Elijah person, if this prophet, if this Messiah comes, he might do something like that. He might be baptizing someone. So the Pharisees, I I don't think we can completely cast them in a very negative light here. They're they're actually interested. Of course, they 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 have their reservations, but they're they're sending people to figure out what is this guy doing. Okay. Interestingly, you know, when you think about it in today's terms, if John the Baptist was a pastor, uh, John the Baptist was John the Baptist was was a was quite the radical man. Uh, the, the the things that he said weren't weren't the the traditional uh, religious type of talk. Um, they were very uh, edgy. Uh, there was confrontational. Right, he he wasn't entirely like the rest of the teachers, possibly in Jerusalem or in any any of the synagogues. So interestingly, he ends up in the fringe on the fringes. Right, a, a preacher or a pastor like John the Baptist, I want you to know this, would make many, if not all of us, extremely uncomfortable. It, a a preacher or a pastor like John the Baptist might lose his church. It might end up preaching elsewhere, okay? John the Baptist, uh, with everything that's been said about John the Baptist, John the Baptist is a questionable character for uh, the religious institution, the, the, the religion. The, the religious leaders question him because what is this thing that he's doing why is he baptizing? Why is he preaching out there? What's this about? Right? And at the, in the time of John the Baptist, at that time, baptism was more of a, a purification ritual that people would um, would do at the, at the temple in Jerusalem. When they came to, to worship, 
you had to be ritually clean. So if you were for some reason unclean, there's a, a whole ton of reasons why you could, you might be unclean. But if you were in, in that category, like let's say you touched a dead carcass, if you came in contact who's, with someone who was dead, if you ate the wrong thing the night before or the day before, right? You are unclean. And so they actually had these, the temple was fitted with these sort of, uh, I want to call them like like tanks, like baptistry tanks type of, type of things where people would go into the water and come out clean, ritually clean to be able to then enter the temple and worship, uh, worship in, in, in just in the temple, in the presence of God, uh, you had to be clean. So obviously, you know, when they hear John the Baptist is baptizing, it, it kind of triggers something in them. Okay. The, the presence of the Lord, the presence of God almighty resides in the most holy place in the temple in Jerusalem. John the Baptist is in the wilderness. He's he's by the Jordan River. And John the Baptist's baptism is not about becoming ritually clean. John the Baptist is baptizing for repentance. He is calling for people to change their lives. It's about a cleansing, not of just a physical ritual cleansing. This is a cleansing of your motives, of your mind, of your heart, of your spirit. He is preparing the way for the Lord. That's, that's the role that he understands he is, he is fulfilling. I am preparing you to meet the anointed one of God. John the Baptist is at a is at the cusp of a of a new reality that John himself really doesn't even completely understand at this point. Okay? John the Baptist is preparing you when I say you his his audience is preparing them to meet the Messiah. Now, <laughs> Here's the thing. The Bible says that after this, this, this passage I just read, Jesus shows up and John the Baptist immediately recognizes Jesus. And he says, behold, the lamb that takes the sin of the world away. Right? This is the one that I've been speaking of. This is the one that I myself am so unworthy that I cannot even take his shoes off. I myself am so unworthy, I don't deserve even to serve this Messiah, Jesus. Now, think about that moment. If you're a follower of John the Baptist, you are expecting something huge to happen. You are not necessarily going along with the mainstream religion of your time or your culture. You are seeking a greater hope, a, a better life, a greater connection to the creator. That's 
the type of people that John the Baptist is 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 attracting to himself as he's preaching this message of repentance and baptizing people. Jesus shows up. And the Bible says, if you continue reading the book of John, <laughs> here's the thing. John the Baptist, this whole mission is to, to prepare the way for the Messiah and, and, and to, to prepare people to accept him, to follow him. Out of everybody, only two of John the Baptist's followers become Jesus' followers. Let me say that again. Out of everybody who was baptized by John the Baptist, out of everyone who listens to John the Baptist, out of everyone who has left the traditional religion of the time to follow John the Baptist because he's preaching about a new reality that's about to begin, out of everybody, only two, only two, to become Jesus's followers. What is wrong? What? Okay, when you read this, really, really, <laughs> the whole point, the whole point of John the Baptist's ministry is to, to, to point to the light, the true light that was coming into the world, to prepare the way for the Lord, the Lord arrives and only two of all of his followers become Jesus' disciples. It's disturbing. Why? Why is it disturbing? Because even us, you and I, even as we seek God, even as we seek to follow him, even as we 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 try our best to to become part of the mission of Jesus Christ here on earth of what his arrival onto our planet means meant and means now for us even as we read the scriptures and as we memorize these bible verses and as we learn our history even as we learn the events, the facts uh, of, of, of uh, the prophecies about the future, even if we can identify each of the beasts of the book of Daniel, and even if we can identify the beast in the book of Revelation, we can miss the main point. The main point is Jesus is God in the flesh, arrived as a baby, born to a peasant girl in a bad neighborhood, okay, was hunted down lived as a child refugee in Egypt, returned and lived in Nazareth, became a lowly, lowly carpenter, befriended foul-mouthed fishermen, okay, welcomed 
the despised, the outcasts, the unclean, the prostitutes, the sinners, the tax collectors, the Gentiles, which means people who are not like him, people who did not even share the same religious background as him. That is what God's arrival on our planet was like. And not only is that good news for the oppressed, for the captives, for the hungry, but it is a revolutionary new reality. This is the reality that that John the Baptist was trying to prepare his followers to become a part of. And what is this new reality called? It's called the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, if you look at the gospels, Jesus spent so much of his time teaching people about the kingdom of heaven. And and Jesus' gospel is this, the kingdom of God has come near you. And because of that, that's why you are seeing people be healed. You're seeing people who are hungry be fed miraculously. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. Jesus says uh, really uh, tough uh, sentences or, or statements that are difficult for us to understand sometimes. Jesus said one time, he said, uh, I tell you the truth. There are some standing among you today who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God arrive. That should make you stop in your tracks and try to better understand what it means to see the kingdom of God arrive. God in Jesus arrived onto our earth to flip the whole, the whole thing upside down. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. The poor shall be blessed. Those who are mourning shall be comforted. Jesus is good news, physical good news, as he is saving and raising the dead and, and, and feeding the hungry and healing the lepers and, and welcoming the despised, the unclean, the sinners, the tax collectors, the worst of the worst, and giving them a second chance right there in that moment. What Christmas and what Advent means is that God has arrived in our neighborhood today where you are at and it is a direct invitation for you to join the movement of the kingdom of God that is enveloping our world here today and it has been here for over 2,000 years now. The tragedy is that we often miss the point because we get caught up following these teachers, these preachers, these, these, these amazing facts of history and, and prophecy. And we miss Jesus arriving in our world. We miss Jesus arriving into our lives, in our chaos, in our stress, in our just impatience. We miss the fact that Jesus 
is here now in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. So I invite you today. Actually, no. I point you to the one who invites you today to (laughs) be part of this kingdom of God. It begins here now. Seeing the kingdom is not so much an act of faith, but rather a physical action of you taking part in the mission of Jesus Christ. What I mean by that is sometimes, actually most of the time we miss this. Our mission on earth is to continue living in the kingdom of God. It is a new reality that you are invited to be part of in which we are called to value those who are despised. We are called to protect those who are suffering. We are called to comfort those who are grieving. We are called to to, to accept the despised, the outcasts, the sinners, those who are not like us, those who ha- don't have the same religious background as us, those who don't look like us because they're from a completely different place on earth. You are invited to be good news to others. This is what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God begins here now. The, the, the problem is we've simplified it so much. We've over, over spiritualized the kingdom of God so much that our Christianity has become simply about going from here to heaven, right? The reality is, yes, Jesus saves us. He gives us a hope of a future in heaven where we can spend eternity with him. But even in that, even in that reading and even in that, in, in that understanding of scripture, we understand that, that, that we don't stay in heaven forever, but rather that God returns us to this earth and creates everything new. He recreates things. It's about, it's about the earth becoming the kind of place that God had intended it to be. The, 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 the message of the kingdom of God is, is about us, you and I, becoming the humans, the types of humans that God had intended for us to be from the very beginning of creation. That is to be nurturing of one another. That is, that is to be nurturing of the earth and taking care of it. And that is to worshiping God above all else. Those are the things that seem simple to us, but in reality are, 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 are the most challenging thing. Jesus is challenging you to view your life, your reality, as something different than the world tends to do, right? The world and, and, and your, your external life and everything will tell you the reality is this if you want to get ahead you might have to step on a few people right the reality is this if you want to make money you're going to have to pay people less if you if you want to be powerful you have to take that power you can't wait for it to be given to you the way of the kingdom is the opposite and you and i each and every single day have the opportunity we have the invitation to live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven and in this christmas 
in this year, 2020, as crazy and chaotic as it has been, and as distant as we have been, we are being called to be good news to one another. We are being called to be good news where we live. So the question, the thing maybe this year for me is, maybe we need to focus a little bit less on retelling and retelling and retelling the story of Christmas because we all know that. And maybe we need to focus more on asking ourselves, how has God arrived in my neighborhood through me? How has the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven invading earth how has it become a reality through me? And, and the question and the warning, I think, that, that comes with reading the story of John the Baptist and how his followers seem to not get the point and only to follow Jesus is, is this. We must every day ask ourselves, can I see Jesus for who he truly is? And, and, <laughs> And can I, in practice, acknowledge that a teacher, a preacher, a pastor, an evangelist is a human being, is not deserving of my worship or my following, and that their job is to point me to Jesus? The rest is on you. The the part about you accepting the invitation to be part of the kingdom of God is on you. It's on me. So I want to leave you with the good news that Jesus Christ is still alive and active today through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the good news that you and I are being invited to be part of this good news to those around us. In a year like this, it can be, I just lost my light here. Uh, in a year like this, it can be very easy to, to forget what good news is. Just a second. As I fix this, Oh, okay. Let's see here. Uh, talking about the light, right? How do I say this? The good news... Yes, it's the fact that Jesus, God himself, became one of us and experienced, had the human experience from life to death. But I think the good news is not in there. The good news continues with you 
and with me. As church, we are to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. As individuals, we are meant to be followers of Christ. And Jesus is inviting you to follow him, to bring good news to those around us, to bring joy, to bring hope, to be lights in the darkness. And as I said, this year has been crazy. And when we have, cra- when we have crazy weeks, crazy days, stressful years, we tend to focus on ourselves. I believe that the calling for us today is to turn that focus outward to your neighbor, to the person that lives across the street from you, to your coworker, to your boss, to family members you haven't talked to in a long time, to a patient that may be, you know, in the bed next to you, to uh, a patient that you myself, you yourself might be treating, to to the people that deliver things to your home each day. It's difficult to know how to do that in these situations. But all I'm asking, and I believe all that we're being called to do, is to think outside of ourselves and 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 believe and know that when we act in such a way we are being uh, ambassadors of the kingdom of God here on earth the good news is that God is with us God is with you and I today where you're at and he is calling you because he has seen something in you that you perhaps haven't seen in yourself. That's the awesome part about following Jesus Christ. Each of his disciples are not ever the same after meeting Jesus. We are never the same in this journey that we are all going on. Jesus is transformation to those that believe. Jesus is salvation for those that believe spiritually and physically. Jesus is good news. So as we think about the season, I hope you all accept the arrival of Jesus Christ in your hearts today and in your lives and in your actions and your neighborhoods and in your workplaces and your schools and your families. Be blessed, be inspired to have hope, faith, love, and to experience joy even in the midst of this challenging time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to be part of your kingdom not only to be part of it, but to continue the work that you have uh, given us here on earth. Help us to see beyond the teacher, the preacher, the pastor, the person that we follow to the person that they should be pointing to, which is you. 
Help us to follow you into the un, into the unknown, into the future, into the uncertain reality uh, that that you know we might be struggling uh, to to see at this moment. I know that there there are some of us who are sick. There are some of us who may have spiritual or physical or emotional struggles today. God, we ask for your presence in such a way that we understand it, that we perceive it, and that we receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Blessings, family. Until next time, uh, just remember, we're here on Facebook. And uh, hopefully the next time I preach, uh, maybe I'll preach from uh, my living room. All right. Have a great week.